Joyce? I've got a vegan lifter. He's about 160 pounds. How do I support him he, to recover? You, well, you put him in a home. <laughs> <laughs> How do you support him? Um, as far as nutritionally to recover. It's like he, he's got an eating disorder, Joyce. 160. He has an eating protein. disorder, and I don't, I, I don't know. Ovens. Is there a form of 4,000 ovens. Yeah. Hemp or some. Just have I don't know. Loads of that. Oh, I think you're, I think you're practicing psychiatry if you do that. And if you want to do that, that's fine. I don't deal with it though. When it, like any of you guys have a vegan diet question, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I get that a lot. I, where I'm not a psychologist. I can't deal with your eating disorder. It's not my job to deal with your eating disorder. And it's an eating disorder. That's all it is. And, you know, just eat what they're going to eat. Train. Look, does a guy pay his dues? Well, fuck, just deposit the check. <laughs> you know? But it's an eating disorder, and I don't know that you're qualified to deal with it. You know, you've had the same opinion at some point, haven't you? I mean, you think, God, I'm in over my, what do I say to this guy? I mean, logic doesn't seem to be working. Uh, you know, and you had not had specialized training in psychology, so I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I'd stay away from those people. I had a little, I had a friend of mine, guy I went to school with, his daughter was in here a long time ago, wouldn't eat, lied about it to me. You know, standard little skinny, high fashion, you know, upper middle class, uh, little chick with an eating disorder. I trained her for about a month and fired her. It's not, it, you, there are things you can't do anything about. And you have to realize when you're dealing with something you can't do anything about. You know, this guy's got a, a structure, this paradigm of the universe that's kind of, you know, and uh, it's, not, it's not compatible with strength training. All right? Um, why is it that the people who are capable of lifting the most weight aren't necessarily the ones with the biggest muscle mass? What? Why are, I don't understand. Why are the strongest people not the most muscular people necessarily? Well, it's the, it's the training adaptation. Let's do it with the training adaptation. Why are bodybuilders not as strong as power lifters? Why are Olympic lifters more explosive for singles than bodybuilders are? It's, it's the training adaptation. If you train to be real strong, you get real strong. If you train to have great big foamy muscles, then that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, you can't always tell by looking. We learn that when we first get in this business. Can't always tell. I got my elbow almost torn apart by a little skinny guy in an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> about a year after I'd started training. You can't tell by looking. <laughs> All right.
Is starting strength optimal for obese people with weight loss goals, and do you ever prescribe them any extra work? How obese? That's the critical question. Obese like me or like 585-pound obese? Let's say between 275, 350. Yeah, like 5'1 or? This is where, this is where BMI is. 4'11, yeah. So you, BMI is useful in untrained populations. It's useless to us. But for sedentary populations, BMI tells you. BMI 50 in a sedentary population, guys got bigger problems than we can solve with barbells in the gym. Because if a fat guy comes to me and then I get him, he just wants to lose weight, but I get him strong and he's still fat. You didn't do your job. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, we're not concerned with abs, okay? We're, we're, we're strength training people. You know, we're not bodybuilders. And I understand a great big giant percentage of the market is interested in abs. I know that. I know that. You, all you have to do is look at the Facebook comments anytime I write an article. At two-thirds of the comments, hey, what does Rip know? Rip's fat. <laughs> He's a fat guy. Why would you listen to a fat guy about exercise? You know, and you... <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, if, uh, I, we've all trained overweight clients. And what happens to them? They get stronger. What happens to their body composition? It improves. So it, it, if I was to try to actually understand the nature of your question, I think maybe you're asking me is if, if somebody's got, a, you know, like three-digit BMI, if you've got a, you got a situation like that, can they mechanically squat? Sometimes no. They can't. If they can't physically occupy the position because they've got a layer of body fat this big on the top of their thigh and this much on their belly and they can't actually squat mechanically, they can't produce the movement pattern, it's going to be a problem. But a person like that has got as we said, other problems than just that they're not very strong. There's another eating disorder situation that has to be dealt with prior to our intervention. We definitely can't say that starting strength novice progression is optimal for weight loss. It's like, I mean, if I was to say that, I'd need to have like, you know, some evidence. Well, it's not designed to be. But, yeah, that's not the point of it. But the nice thing is that if you can get someone in that situation training, Training itself can help with compliance with a dietary intervention. So if you can get them to start training and you can get them to do a diet and link those two things together to the point where they can see that the dietary intervention supports the training and they want to see that weight get up, go up and get stronger, they kind of help each other and it improves the right. Because the dietary intervention, that's what will help the obesity. Then the dietary intervention becomes training itself. Yeah. They're not going to lose all that body fat from just from squatting. They need to be consuming less calories. And for them to want to do that, for that to fit in their overall plan, linking it to training, something that has this reward of increasing load on the bar, for example, or progress in that situation, makes it work a lot better. It's still not perfect, because we train a lot of obese patients who 
people, I suppose, not always, not everyone's a patient, but people who, who do this and they might not be interested in doing something that's forever, or they might not be successful with it. And so you have to kind of, that's where you have to get, figure out if there's something going on that's hindering their kind of adherence to the plan. But that's kind of the best that we can do is to get the training, link it to the dietary intervention. The dietary intervention takes, you know, is the bigger driving factor in the, in the body fat situation. And you might actually be good candidates to introduce some conditioning a little bit earlier compared to other people. That's another thing. If not, potentially even right at the beginning, if they have essentially no work capacity, you might actually have them, unlike some of these other novices, have to start conditioning sooner. Mike? I was wondering if, um, for an intermediate female, do you switch from five by five to like three by eight or something like that? Kind of the same no. volume. You mean like go up in reps? No, no, no. Three, uh, eight, eight sets of three. Eight sets of three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite frequently. Would that be like right. the next progression? Like we do that in, after two or three months of the novice progression. <clears throat> we typically will switch women over to lower reps, the first sign they're getting slowed now. Five sets of three instead of three sets of five. Yeah. That, and then when you go to the intermediate program, you just do three sets of eight for the volume day? Five, we don't do sets of eight. eight. You got to get your numbers right here. Right. Uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of iterations of the. There's no perfect answer. For that. There's, <laughs> as a general rule, we move women to lower numbers of reps in the set within a couple of months. But you don't go up in reps. We usually don't drop the volume. We maintain the volume, but drop the reps. Up yeah, the in, so up the intensity. Instead of three sets the of relative five, intensity. five sets of three stop working, maybe we'll go six sets of three, right? It's, it's dependent on the stress needed to drive that, that patient. But women seem to do better at threes after a, a couple months. Okay, that makes sense. So whatever to drive the adaptation at the end of the week or on the intensity day? That's the, that's the goal. Well, it depends on the RPE, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, Mike. I'm, we're just... <laughs> Uh, my question is, uh, is it possible to make weight class recommendations to a competitive lifter in terms of pounds per inch of height? Inch, uh, in terms of well, it's popular on the internet. I don't know. What do you think? I think for a novice, they should just get stronger and let body weight fall where it may. Okay. I think it's stupid to cut weight classes until you're an advanced lifter. Right. But even Even five pounds going into a meet, that's dumb. And I'd rather people eat up into a weight class, just keep setting PRs, right? Okay. I it's especially destructive to have kids in high school yeah. Wrestling. make weight. Yeah. That, ought, that ought to be prohibited by law. I mean, if we're gonna have public schools, and if the public schools are gonna have varsity sports, I think that any varsity sports coach that tells a kid to drop a weight class should be imprisoned. Like wrestling coaches that will tell some 150-pound kid, look, we need you at 123. Yeah. 123, man. But coach, I weigh 150 pounds. Hey, I don't care. You want to wrestle? You're going to go down to 123. Do it. Jail time. For that sorry piece of shit, jail time. In the penitentiary. Five years minimum. <laughs>
So are you, are you talking about a specific sport like powerlifting? Like, like powerlifting in there. Like, so if you, you get someone who, who's pretty good or pretty strong, say they're six foot tall or something, you know, and say they're right now one, I don't know, 180 or something. Oh, and 100 pounds. <laughs> the question, you, so, need to, you need to clarify what your, whether your question is how much they need to weigh to be as strong as they can physically be right. or right. how much they need to weigh to be the most competitive. And the question about being most competitive then depends on who they're competing against, the federations, the competition, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes there's actually differences where you'll see a lot. I see this a lot with like 181s or 198s or the 83s or 95, yeah, right, 94s right. or whatever, where sometimes they might be stronger. They're obviously stronger at like 90, you know, in the higher weight class than the 93s, but they're way more competitive. And so they end up cutting, getting weaker, but winning which right. is the goal of the sport. Or the opposite. If they want to be the, three, as strong yeah. as they can possibly be, they need to go up to 105 or yeah. you know, 120 or something like that. So you need to know what, what kind of situation you're talking about there. And one involves analyzing the competition, and the other involves gaining a lot of weight. Right. But also, <laughs> also uh, remember, nobody gives a shit who wins powerlifting meets. <laughs> no, for real. Like, until, until you're at nationals or worlds, no one gives a shit. You just and, and really, it, it, the world's at IPF is the only thing That's everybody gives a about. shit about. You know, the SPF worlds. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the SPF <laughs> worlds or the state of Pennsylvania worlds. <laughs> no, nobody, but, nobody cares about that. So one of the first it's the recreational federations. We, we are very pro novices competing. That's awesome. You should go compete because when you mail your, we've talked about this many times, when you mail your, your entry form in, your training gets better. Online. You sign up or right. <laughs> Is that how you do it now? They sign up, sign online. up online. You write a check. We used to write a check and fill out the little paper thing. And when, you, when you sign up for a meet, your training gets better, right? And so immediately my clients will go, well, how, I, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to come in last place. I don't want to. Do you think I can make top five? I'm like, nobody cares. No one does nobody care. No one will know. No one knows. No one cares. Your wife doesn't care. Nobody cares, right? Until Hell, ever, there's going to be so many divisions that everybody's going to place first anyway. It doesn't make any difference. These things are designed to where you get a trophy and you're all happy and shit. You take it home and put it in your bathroom and shit. You see the best lifter in each weight class is usually the shorts. Well, yeah. For the, at, yeah, for, for instance, if you go to the IPF Worlds, how tall are the 181 guys? They're 5'5", five, 5'4", five. Five, 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 That's how tall they are. What does that tell you about big muscles? They move more weight. That's right. You know, so, yeah. you, you that's 6'1", can't be competitive in the 181 class. Or anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah, or anywhere near it. Right? A 6'1 guy should be 242 to 308. Like, Schaefer is, what are you, 6'4"? Six, 6'4". Four? Six, four. You're six four. It if if you're a thirty five year old competitive lifter, at six four, you're gonna weigh three thirty. Yeah, three thirty five. Three thirty five. Yeah. And not be fat. Yeah. And not be fat. Yeah. You know, have a sixty two inch chest and about a forty inch waist. That's what you'll look like. You know, unfortunately, it's too late. It's too <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is why I yell at people over and over and over again. You know, I have these people write in, make posts on the board. You know, 
I'm five foot 10, 165. I'm an intermediate lifter, and I want to know if I can, if I need to, it, it, can I take my calories down to 2,200 a, a, a day and, and get my abs back and still be an intermediate lifter? I, where do you start with that? You know, no, you're not an intermediate lifter. You're a little skinny douchebag, and you're, you're <laughs> concerned more with your abs than you are with getting strong. So, you know, go away. I, you, you deal with this for 30 years, and your patience just goes away for it. Okay? All right, Luke? Yep. Um, Finally, a substantial question. <laughs> well, in that case, since you, you're talking to me like this, I had, like, uh, one original... Oh, I hadn't begun to talk to you like this. <laughs> but I, was, I was thinking, like, what should be original that I, I could talk about. I'm uh, working in orthotics, like, uh, you know, prosthetics, orthotics. Right. Yeah, in orthotics. That's my day job. All uh, right. So I studied a lot of that stuff. And I... I what do you build? I'm sorry? What do you build? I'm specialized in uh, spinal braces for handicapped kids. I, I, okay. I work with handicapped kids. All right. Sp special needs and, you know. So um, I was wondering, have you ever encountered someone, a lifter, that had, like, pronated feet, like heavily pronated Every feet. day. And do you recommend the use of orthotics or insoles or stuff like that? Well, the first thing we recommend in a situation like this is, and we find people like every other seminar that whose knees are valgus because they're flat-footed or whatever, and they're still insisting on wearing their Vibram five fingers. The silly ass looking socks with toes in them, you know, with rubber on the bottom, you know, those are cool if you're a CrossFit warrior, but they're, but they're not useful out there. So the first thing we say is, is you have to support your feet because if your feet aren't supporting themselves, then you need to do it for them. You know, flat feet are kind of, kind of common, I guess. They're, you know, they're, they're fairly common. And if you need an arch support, then you need to put the arch support in your weightlifting shoes. And then you need to learn to keep your knees out when you squat. But if you've got anatomically flat feet, they need to be fixed. They need to be supported because it causes all kinds of upstream problems that an orthotic certainly could help with. Absolutely. No, I, I think you've got to fix that. I think it's terribly critical to get something in your shoes to support the medial side of your foot. You know, you just have to get that done. Yeah. But my real question oh, sorry. <laughs> is, no, it's just what's that my I, favorite movie? No, uh, okay. It's just that I never, I didn't. Who's my favorite Frenchman? Yeah. Who, who is, it, who is uh, your fa favorite fr Frenchman? Who is it? Pepe Le Pew. Uh, <laughs> who? Pepe Le Pew. Ah, Pepe Le Pew, oui. Pepe Le Pew. He's, he's everybody's fantastic. favorite Frenchman. He's fantastic. Yes, I, I love the guy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't hear uh, you guys talk about uh, warm-up, cool-downs, uh, stretching. And that is because we don't do it. <laughs> because we don't do it. It's a waste of time. What's your warm-up for the squat? Two empty bar sets with a squat. Bacon All right. cheeseburger. <laughs> What's your cool-down? Whiskey. 
It's, it's not necessary to warm up with anything other than the barbell. Anything else is a waste of time. It's not, if you are flexible enough to assume the positions required of your barbell training and your sport, then you are flexible enough. And stretching is a waste of time. I know it's terribly fashionable, but it's not necessary. It doesn't help anything. Dozens of studies have demonstrated conclusively that it decreases power production. Every study that's ever been done on it shows a decrease in power production. So no, don't waste time. Look, we've got to spend enough time out there as it is. You've got to go to work at the orthotic shop, right? Everybody's got a job. We're trying to cram this in. We're adults. We're trying to cram this into our schedule. There is no reason to artificially lengthen the time you need to be in the gym for no apparent reason. And stretching, warm up, cool down precisely does that. The only thing stretching, the only benefit to stretching is to the people that show you how to stretch. Or to look up at some people stretching. Which is not necessarily an unworthwhile idea. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Depending on the circumstances, yes. <laughs>